0: Welcome to another episode of Paul Don Power, Power System Design's podcast on the latest in power and power design. I'm your host, Alex Paul, and today I've got Leonard Stargo. He is uh, with Linear Technology and um, one of the many smart people over there, but we're going to talk about one specific area today, and that's automotive. Isn't that right, Leonard? Welcome to the show. Thanks for having me. Oh, I'm glad to have you. Well, automotive... Is huge and getting bigger every literal moment when you talk about the value of an engine of a automobile in engineering costs in electronics I mean I've got a 1984 the only thing electronic in it is the radio and the ignition today if you took apart a modern vehicle it'd be like a small animal you take anything off the whole thing would die that's absolutely the case most of the cars these days are
1: starting to have computers numbered into in the hundreds. and some cars, even the door handles have their own computer to, to extend the handle, for example, in a Tesla automobile. So essentially, you've got a 12-volt power system that gets its energy from an alternator, and that gets spread all around the car, and almost every box is starting to have power requirements. And a lot of the time, the electronics needs power at maybe one volt. I mean, if you take the 30,000-foot view, power often gets generated at higher voltages. For a power station, it might be hundreds of thousands of volts. For a car, it's usually 12 or 48 uh, for the newer system designs. And eventually, mm-hmm. a lot of the power gets used at 1 volt for a microprocessor at 5 volts for logic, things like that. <laughs> so you
0: always need to step down the voltage. You know, and that's an excellent observation is uh, for all of the various voltages we generate, there are only one or two working voltages that the average system uses. Absolutely. And so let's
1: start sort of at the beginning. So, in general, in electronics, one of the first things that was used to step down a voltage was an LDO. Right. The LDO takes your 12 volts in or so and then burns the power such that the voltage that comes out is, say, 3 volts or 1 volt. And LDOs are an example of an IC that's really easy to use. The layout is not terribly important. The noise is really low. It's easy to design in terms of PCB layout because it's not critical. And so that's sort of where the industry started. And LDOs are still very popular where the power requirements are modest or where the power can be dissipated. And so that's really the paragon of a good power management IC is an LDO because it sort of doesn't have any issues.
0: It just works. Well, then so does a straight-up linear transformer-based power supply, but I would think efficiencies would also be an issue. So certainly the efficiency and the heat is a huge issue, especially you've
1: got these microprocessors (laughs) that need dozens of watts at one volt. So LDOs aren't practical anymore, and in general the whole industry has been forced to use a lot of switchers, and this probably happened 20 or 30 years ago, and it's growing to this day. And in the switcher world, it starts to become very difficult. Your PCB layout takes a lot of talent and difficulty. You need multi-layer PC boards to do it right. You've got a lot of noise concerns that you have to filter, and there's all sorts of downstream effects. For example, in a car, you've got a 12-volt system, and the 12 volts runs around everywhere in the car. And the first thing to attach to that 12 volts in your computer box or your ECU is a switcher. So if your switcher is noisy, it puts noise up on the whole 12-volt line, and it radiates everywhere. And so that's why the switcher is sort of the first line of, of defense when the 12 volts comes in. So if the switcher is noisy, it has a great antenna to radiate from, and that's where all the problems really come from.
0: Mm-hmm. And well, obviously, Leonard, I know that you're going to present a solution. Certainly. So, so
1: the key here is to really get the details correct, because... Lots of people offer quiet switchers. You can always make a quiet switcher by making it bigger, slower, and less efficient. So certainly you can go back 10 or 20 years, and a lot of the switchers from that era are pretty good in terms of noise. But they have to run 50 kilohertz, and the efficiency is not so good, and the solution size is the size of a fist. But certainly... (laughs) Certainly, as we evolve, we'd like to reduce the solution size, give the customer something that resembles like an LDO, but it's efficient. So, traditionally, there's a huge trade-off. The faster you go, the more the noise. And faster, right. can, faster can mean two things. Faster means the edge rates are much faster, so the switch voltage that's driving the inductor can slew very quickly. So, that's one item of speed in the switcher. Another item of speed is the switching frequency. So when you make both of those fast, all of a sudden the EMI problem gets completely out of control. Understood.
0: So and so, says, uh, go on. I was going to say then. Obviously, there has to be a way around that. Certainly. So,
1: let's see. So generally. The best things that you can do so far with existing ICs that are available, let's say from linear in the last five or ten years, is you do a quality PCB layout, you put good ceramic small capacitors very close to to the IC solution, and you keep the hot loops really small. And again, that works well up to a point. And so with this new silent switcher family that we've done, uh, the first two parts, we have the 8614, we also have the 8640, and these are parts, as you've alluded to, that are targeted for automotive. They take inputs up to 42 volts and down to 3 volts minimum VN, and they have a lot of special things with their design. And, of course, we're tempted to ask, what's the secret to the silent switcher? Well, there really isn't one. This is the secret. It's probably a combination of five or ten different design techniques to be mindful of the magnetic field that we put out into the world. And so what it really lets us do is it optimizes the trade-off between speed and noise. So if you take one of these silent switcher and you took a normal switcher and ran it with edges that are that fast and the frequency that is that fast, you will get completely unacceptable EMI. In the case of the mm-hmm. silent switcher, in the case of the 8640, we're able to do things that we couldn't do before in a normal part like an 8610, for example. What we could do is we can do two megahertz practically and we could do five amps with really fast DIDTs and the noise is still reasonable and it, the noise is similar to our older parts that were running much more slowly at much lower currents. So really it's about improving the trade-off and in the future we plan to have a line of parts that exercises this trade-off in both directions. We plan to have parts that are extremely fast, faster than anything we've done before and that still have modest or sort of Uh, acceptable noise. Acceptable noise levels. And then Mm -hmm. we plan to go into the lower regime where we have parts that are quite fast, quite efficient, and have extremely low noise. And really the goal is to make a part where the automotive guy who's building his box doesn't really have to use a filter anymore. Right. And that will also simplify not only the layout, but reduce the bomb. Absolutely, because if you pick apart one of these boxes in a car, you'll often notice there's a switcher that may take a square inch or, or half a square inch, and then there's the EMI filter that's three times bigger. Mm-hmm. And essentially, we're, we're looking at the whole solution and trying to find a way for the customer to be much, much more effective with their use of space for the power supply. And really, that what we need to do is give them a better trade-off. Right. I mean, well, and
0: engineering is. I, I apologize, but engineering is all about finding that proper point for the trade-off. And really, really,
1: the bottom line is we'd like to get performance that's LDO-like, but efficient. Because LDOs, right. people really love LDOs because the noise is fantastic, the the packaging is good. It's sort of it's sort of what a digital designer could put down on a board, and it just works. That it doesn't have to be black magic like there would be in a in an RF amplifier. Essentially, these right. they're becoming PA amplifiers in terms of their speed of
0: switching. Well, everybody's going to the higher speeds also because they need the efficiencies. Absolutely. So in a in a car. It's starting so in, in the
1: automotive world, it's kind of an interesting question. So, efficiency's got it's a two edged sword. So, some guys, like in the case of a car, for example, they're in an electric car drivetrain, efficiency is important because you get longer range. Gasoline, gasoline car, the alternator can put out gobs of power. So, efficiency is important in that it reduces the amount of heat coming out of the switcher. Because, for example, some of the newer cars, they've got these forward-looking radars and forward-looking optical systems that I'm sure you've seen. Mm-hmm. Probably not. Probably not available in your
0: '84, right? No, <laughs> no, unfortunately not. But that's all right. I'll, I'll take uh, the simple, easy-to-repair side of it. Yeah. So you've got all these little cameras,
1: and these cameras actually consume a lot of power because they've got really hefty processors doing all the image processing. And the boxes right. have to be small because, for example, it mounts right next to your rear view mirror or it mounts somewhere in the bumper where they don't want to have to occupy a large space. So in that case, it's more of a thermal problem, and it's a space problem. And a thermal problem and a size problem is the same thing, really, because you could, for example, have a high, really high-frequency switcher that's not efficient, and then you need a big heatsink, right? So you haven't won. Right. Or you have a slower switcher that just takes up more space and you're still stuck. So really the only way to win is if you have a high-speed switcher that's efficient. And if you try exactly. to do that in a conventional technology, you'll need to have fast edges because fast edges mean efficient transitions. But if you have fast edges, MI will be out of control. So really it's one of these water balloons, when you squeeze, something always pokes out. So, with the case of the silent switcher, we're trying to improve the trade off so we can have fast edges, high frequency, good efficiency, and reasonable EMI. That's sort of the goal. And so, in terms of automotive, certainly automotive is a, is a big fan, but hopefully, we're also trying to win fans across other industries.
0: Industrial is well, one. Go on. Mm-hmm. No, I was about to say, I, I would imagine industrial is a similar space. Yeah, absolutely. It's
1: It's one of these. You wouldn't think that industrial has a space limitation because, well, it's big machines and big factories, but it turns out that they build a lot of these little sensors that are self-contained and lots of little boxes sit around on long wires monitoring things, and they all need power supplies. So miniaturization exactly. is, really, is
0: really impacting
1: the whole industry. Right.
0: Well, and not to mention those sensors. The machine may be huge, but the working area that the sensor has to pay attention to, where the where the drill cuts or where the lathe you know marks or whatever, is a small space. And then they have to get in the way of the tool, so they have to be small. They have to be out of the way, and they that means also a big voltage drop over long thin lines unless you use um, a higher working voltage. And there's all kinds of trade offs all the way up and down that line. Yeah, and that's an interesting
1: point you bring up. If you have a long line, it's nice to run a higher voltage so the power, you, so the current you consume through the wire is lower. And when you run higher V in, a switcher tends to be more difficult because if you have a higher voltage switcher, typically you have to use higher voltage switching components, and higher voltage switching mm-hmm. components are much harder to drive at high speeds. Mm-hmm, and so you can mm-hmm. just you get this trade-off where you'd really like to distribute power in a, for example, a car. A lot of, There's a lot of work being done on doing 48-volt distribution. But if you do 48-volt distribution, certainly it improves the copper problem dramatically because you get to use a lot less copper. But what it does is it makes the switcher a lot more difficult, and that's another place where we hope to make an impact because the silent switcher lets us do high-frequency, high-voltage switchers, which we couldn't really do before. So, for example, this 8640 that we have, it'll run to 42 volts in, no problem, and it can't do 2 megahertz if you're doing, let's say, 42 volts straight down to 5 for all your microprocessors. You could certainly mm-hmm. run that same megahertz, and we couldn't have done that before
0: without making a big noise problem. Very good point. So, I would love to keep talking about all of this, but unfortunately, we don't have a lot of time, so I'd like to... Uh, ask a few more questions before we finish up, and one of them is, uh, what kind of support do you offer the engineer in uh, putting this into their solution, you know, putting your solution into their solution? Uh, what kind of uh, hand-holding do you offer from your FAEs, and uh, what about kits and reference designs, anything along those lines to support this? Well, that's a question I'm sure a lot of the founders
1: of this company would like. So the founders of this company pride the linear on providing really in-depth, Full customer support. So we have lots of apps engineers that we've versed in this technology and we've developed design kits that show how the PCB layout ought to be optimized. And certainly, any customers that we have that are automotive, for example, we have FEs that are dedicated to serving those companies and they'll go in and they'll sit down with the designers that could potentially use a silent switcher, for example, and they'll sit down with them and show them the trade-offs. And if the customer likes the part, for example, we provide a demo board for them to look at it. We even provide EMI plots to show the customers what the demo board EMI results are. So the customers often – we've already had some early successes with this part. The customer – would look at the demo board, they'd measure it themselves, they'd decide if it fits their application, and then one of our FAEs could come in and help them with their PCB layout to make sure they've got a good shot at first spin success.
0: Well, that's excellent, Leonard. And um, I think it's commendable because, obviously, the best, the best solution isn't really a solution unless you can implement it to, to use all of its potential functionalities. So to have that type of support I think is critical.
1: Following that line of thought, we will offer silent switcher-type modules also in the future. We've got a lot of promising new products in the pipeline where we can sort of shoot for this goal of having an LDO-style box. So we just give a customer literally a black box they put on their board. In one side, they take their automotive nasty automotive supply, and on the other side, they get their clean five with no EMI problems. So we certainly have this new line of modules in mind as we move
0: forward. Excellent. Well, then the last thing, Leonard, is I always let my guests have the last word on my show. So uh, it could be a little bit more about the silent switcher. It could be a little bit more about the company, or it could just be a tip for our audience. But the floor is yours.
1: Oh, thank you. Well, there's not much uh, else to say that. than we really hope customers like this and, we're trying to design switchers with really the customer in mind. So we often visit customers and we look at what the problems are and we try to design a solution that makes it easy for the customer because really we're afraid of putting out a part out there that the customer needs a lot of help with because because we haven't done our job as well as we should have. often, Often the first response is, well, the part isn't working because you know the p c b layout isn't right, or something about the application isn't right. well, I like to say no that's not the that's not the problem. The problem is we didn't design the part that's easy enough to use so really <laughs> it's, it's all it's all customer focused is is this is a way to make the customer to implement a high performance solution
0: without without the headache well and that's great. I really do believe in having uh, as accessible a solution as possible, especially now we've got such a growing amount of uh, what I like to call prosumer engineering from the makerspace. I mean, so they're not just all kids making things in their basement. Some of them are engineers who are trying to launch new businesses out of their basement, and the most and simple solutions they can get for those uh, application spaces are really going to make a big difference. Absolutely. So, Leonard, thank you so much for taking the time to be with us today. I'm really glad we had this conversation. We'll definitely drag you back out and talk some more, because obviously power is not a uh, stationary target. It is constantly moving and evolving, and I know you'll have some new stuff to tell us downstream.
1: Thanks very much, Alex, for having us. I
0: appreciate the opportunity. Oh, pleasure's mine. And I'd like to thank everybody out there in the audience for taking the time to listen to us. We wouldn't be here without you. Tell your friends. This is Alex Paul for Paul on Power. Have a great day.